Hey guys, welcome to Crime Connect Case Discussion, and today we are covering part one of the Jeffrey Epstein affair. And today I'm joined by Nikki and Jerusha. Hi, hey. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> We're both waiting to see Jerusha, you at first. <laughs> you always laugh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, it's just funny because you always laugh before you say hi. <laughs> well, I don't know. Ever know? I don't, don't ever know. Is Nikki gonna say hi or should I wait? Like, yeah, <laughs> we both say at the same time. Hey. One day we'll have to Skype while we're doing this, so we oh can see each other. You know? Yeah, I have curlers in my hair right now. <laughs> well, we won't show the Skype to anybody. It'll just be yeah, you know, us. That would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> Then we wouldn't have to ask what each other's drinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, dang, Crystal, you're already on your third girl, third drink? Calm down, girl. <laughs> I think if I had three drinks right now, I'd, I'd probably die. Don't do that. We have way too many groups to run already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So in part one of this episode, we're going to cover who is Jeffrey Epstein, what are his connections, what is the Lolita Express, what is the island, and what are his crimes. So there's a lot to get to in this episode. Okay. So Jeffrey Epstein, uh, most people I think just know him from the crimes, you know, they don't know like who he was or how he got his money. They just kind of know him for this big sex crime story. Right. So I had to dig into who he was because I also didn't know who he was. Um, He started out as a math teacher at a very prestigious school called the Dalton School in New York. And at some point in the 70s, he left that, and he became an investment banker. By 1982, he founded his own firm, uh, Epstein & Co., and he marketed his business to get clients with, quote, those with assets more than $1 billion, which seems a little absurd because he was – barely in the investment banking industry for 10 years before starting this firm that he was marketing to the richest of the rich. He was really young at that time too, wasn't he? Yeah. What year was he born? 1953. Okay, yeah. So it's probably, what, his 30s then? In his 30s, yeah. 30s, yeah. That's really young. So... He operated his business out of the U.S. Virgin Islands for obvious tax reasons. You know, the usual. Mm -hmm. And he appeared on the outside to everybody to be a wealthy man. He appeared to be a billionaire and he was often referred to as a billionaire. However, there was no proof of his wealth. There were no public records from his company. There was no client list. There was nothing to actually suggest that he was a billionaire other than his word, his lifestyle, and basically his connections. I remember reading one of his friends said that they actually thought he might have been photoshopping all of these pictures that he had with his little flashy clients at first. (laughs) I would not put it past him, honestly. That sounds like something he would do. Right? I'm just getting started. Just start Photoshopping yourself with all these rich ballers. Yeah, especially when you're marketing yourself to that clientele. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at some point, he meets Leslie Wexner. And this is basically where his life gets really interesting because he not only for some reason gets power of attorney over Lexi Wessner, 
But then he becomes a trustee of the Wexner Foundation. And Leslie Wexner is the founder of Victoria's Secret. Right. This is a very rich man. And I don't think it was ever explained how he got power of attorney over him. Not that I, I didn't, I, I thought that was like kind of intriguing myself, like to be able to get a hold of a, 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 a fortune like that and be able to become yeah. power of attorney over the dude because, that actually runs Victoria's Secret. Right. Cause he had the power to fire people, to hire people, mm-hmm. sign checks, buy things like, insane amount of power here's that word and it sounds like he was a very confident like he was a confident man yes (laughs) so because he had access to this money he was basically really able to bring people into his life basically Mm -hmm. who were also very rich and he started um, becoming a very charitable charitable person. And some of this was with his money, but I want to put it past that some of it was also with Leslie Wexner's money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, he started giving money to all sorts of different things, especially things having to do with science and new age science, like um, on the verge of discovering stuff science. And he would hold these parties some of them in his West Palm Beach house and some of them on his island. And I think at, even at like one party, Stephen Hawking went to his island. Wow. And he would hold the parties and he would talk to these people about their little pet projects, you know, because scientists have like, you know, projects they're always trying to do. And he would sometimes fund them and sometimes he would just mull over funding them and telling them, that he wanted to fund them, that kind of thing. And so scientists and Nobel laureates and very important people in our communities really wanted to meet him because he may be, you know, the key to getting funding for their projects. I think the science aspect of it is important because he also had his very own scientific theories. Um, He was kind of into eugenics do you, do you guys know what eugenics is? No, I was actually going to start Googling it right now as you were talking. <laughs> um, it's not a great thing. It's basically the science of improving a human population by controlling um, breeding and oh desirable oh. characteristics. So yeah. we're talking like Hitler style. Exactly. And he was into this. And on top of that, he really thought that his own genetics were, like, superior. Of course he did. Of course. So he wanted to have 20 women at his New Mexico ranch that he could impregnate and spread his seed everywhere, basically. So he was trying to to not just, like, go into science. He was also looking into, like, starting a, a, a new religion almost. Yeah, His basically. Own commune, concubine. Yeah. I'm not sure like how far he wanted to go with um, controlling them or like the religious aspect of it, but he definitely just wanted to impregnate them so that his genetics would be out there more. Populate fill up the his island with him. Fill up his island with yeah. his yeah. people. Exactly. Um, so through these parties and because he also starts going to other people's parties because now he's really, you know, not famous, but he's in the circles. Basically. He was like at Naomi Campbell's birthday parties. He was just kind of everywhere. And he knew very powerful people. And some of those people we've heard of people like Bill Clinton, people like Trump. Um, I think I mentioned Stephen Hawking. He didn't really have like a, he didn't have much qualms with much pe- many people. It sounds like he didn't care about about uh, politics. It sounds like it was more about the money. Right. Right. It was power. the money, money, power. Yeah. Cozy it up to much Republican politicians. Um, because remember, back in the day, Trump was a Democrat. So he didn't 
cozy up to much of them just because of the science part, I think. I don't think he had any um, issues with the rest of politics, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. you know? So, because he had this big circle and because of um, his island, we're going to talk about his plane. And I, I hope we're doing this in the right order. So he had this island that for a long time was considered, um, it has a lot of names, Pedophile Island, Sin Island. Um, its real name is Little St. James. And it's an island off of St. Thomas in the Caribbean. And this is where he would have parties, but he would also fly in there for his own personal enjoyment. And when he would, um, locals around St. Thomas would see a lot of very young women. And a lot of people describe it as him having thinking that he had kids, except they weren't his kids. They were women he was intending to have a good time with. So he also had these planes. He had a private jet, like most people of that, you know, stature. But he also had a 727 Boeing that was outfitted for private use. And this is what is often referred to as the Lolita Express. Mm -hmm. Because these young girls were also seen on these planes. And some of the um, stories we're going to talk about later involve these planes, um, very important people being on these planes and possibly abusing young girls, basically. So a few people we know of have been um, talked about as taking trips on these planes. And one of those is Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. Probably the most talked about is Bill Clinton, honestly. Um, I'm going to read a statement from his camp that came out in July. President Clinton knows nothing about the terrible crimes Jeffrey Epstein pleaded guilty to in Florida some years ago, or those with which he has been recently charged in New York. In 2002 and 2003, President Clinton took a total of four trips on Jeffrey Epstein's airplane, one to Europe, one to Asia, and two to Africa, which included stops in connection with the work of the Clinton Foundation. It goes on to say that he had staff with him in Secret Service, and he's never been to Little St. James Island. He's never been to the ranch in New Mexico, and he's never been to his residence in Florida. But that he did make one brief trip to his apartment in Manhattan, also with staff and Secret Service with him. So is there there actually a picture of, of Bill in... Um, Epstein together? Oh, I'm sure. Because they, like it it says, they traveled to Africa and Asia on a, it wasn't a secret trip. Okay. I think they were doing stuff with like AIDS work and malaria and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I'm sure Epstein wanted to fund, you know. Also on that trip I read was Kevin Spacey and oh what's his name chris tucker yeah really yeah that's an interesting trio yeah (laughs) well and if we include epstein on that so we've got clinton spacey Mm -hmm. and tucker and Mm -hmm. epstein on a plane yep Hmm. um so one of the the interesting things about the plane trips as well is you know they had to uh, file manifest, right? Where they list everybody on board. Well, there would be women on board that were listed in the manifest, but not their names. It would just say female. So there would be these unidentified women who would go on these trips with them. Were there young boys too, by chance? Um, I haven't come across any. I'm just wondering because of everything that Spacey's been dealing with. Right. I haven't come across any, but it's possible. Hmm. So back to Clinton's statement, he says he took four trips. Gawker in 2015 did a report 
saying that he took 12 trips. And Fox News in 2016 reported that he took 26 trips. Oh, wow. So it's unclear how many individual flights he took for each of those trips in Africa. Like, maybe they landed, then they have to fly, and then they flew to another place in Africa. You know what I mean? And each time they found new flight plans and that sort of thing. But there's obviously some sort of discrepancy in how many trips he took with Epstein. So somebody could be going by trip and somebody else might be going by flight manifest. Right. Or, yeah. And um, at this time, Clinton hasn't been linked by prosecutors to any of the crimes. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that he was on the plane on this trip. And so you can't roll him out. Also known for flying on Epstein's plane is Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Now, in 2002, um, Donald Trump gave a interview for New York Magazine, mm -hmm. and he says that he's known Jeff for 15 years. Terrific guy. He's a lot of fun to be with. It is even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side. No doubt about it, Jeffrey enjoys his social life. So we know Donald Trump was at least familiar with the fact that Epstein was in the very least... I don't, I don't want to use a gross word. He was in the very least, you know, a party animal. He liked to party with young women. And young women. I think there was even a time... Um, was it Trump? Somebody mentioned that they mistook one of the girls for being very young or they made a comment about being very young and, and Trump laughed about it. Um, Trump is a very important person in this conversation because a lot of this kind of links back to either his presence or him directly in 2016, we all know that Trump was accused of raping a 13-year-old mm. years ago. Um, that 13-year-old says that that happened at a party at Epstein's house. Oh, wow. Yes. We also know that a separate accuser of Jeffrey Epstein worked at Trump's place in Palm Beach, Mar-a-Lago. And we also know that there are rumors that um, Trump and Epstein got into a falling out, not over just buying the same property, but also because Epstein was trying to recruit people from Mar-a-Lago. Um, we know that in 1992, they had a calendar girl competition at Mar-a-Lago. And it's actually really just described as a bunch of young girls and Trump and Epstein mm. alone. So it was kind of like a personal party that they decided to call a calendar girl competition. Yeah. And I think they have footage from that. Um, NBC has footage of their them discussing some of the women. I bet that's nice footage. <laughs> yeah. So back in the day, Epstein's brother, who he is estranged with, said that he has seen Donald Trump or he has known Donald Trump to be on several of the Lolita Express flights with young girls. And we really, that's really all we had about that for a long, long, long time. There was no proof of it um, until Friday when they released a huge amount of documents. And in those documents is one flight plan with a manifest and on that manifest is Donald Trump. So we know he at least for sure took one flight. We also know that I think it's at least two accusers say that they've seen him on the flights, multiple flights. So we have the brother and two accusers and a manifest. Wow. I have so much to say, but I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Moving on. To the crimes. I just wanted to get it out there about Clinton and Trump because neither of them are innocent in this as far as 
being connected to Epstein in the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the crimes where it gets really frustrating. Am I am I going to have any hair left after this? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> oh my god. In 2005, a, in April of 2005, a 15-year-old and her parents reported that Epstein molested her in his Palm Beach house. A classmate of hers had taken her to his house to give him a massage for money. And I want you to remember that little fact for later, okay? That mm-hmm. she was recruited by a classmate. Police found... Um, a telephone message for Epstein with the girl's name on it and details that corroborated her story. He basically had telephone messages taken for him. Like, let's say her name is Diana, saying Diana, meet at five, massage, that sort of thing. And then he would throw them in the trash and the police actually went through his trash and found them. Wow. So... Being that her story seemed to be corroborated, she's only 15 years old. This is a grown man. Um, They also found the names uh, and phone numbers of other girls. They started looking into him. So in October, police are interviewing one of the other girls when Epstein's assistant actually calls her. So now they know for sure that there's a connection there and that he's reaching out to multiple young girls. Yeah. His butlers also tell police that he has frequent, frequent girls throughout the day show up almost every day, all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Has he got like the little blue pills or something? Apparently. So like go all day. Yeah. It's Yeah. I want to talk about that later because it's weird. Um, So in May, the police sign a probable cause affidavit and send it to the state. They want to arrest this guy and they don't want to wait. They want to arrest him now. So they have what they need to arrest him. But the state decides to send the information to a grand jury. Now, if you don't know about a grand jury, it's a secret meeting with a secret jury that meets a couple times a year. The state presents cases to them. There's no defense attorney. There's no opportunity to present any evidence other than what the state wants. And they can withhold whatever they want or present whatever they want. So the grand jury actually only hears from one girl. Never in the grand jury do they mention that these girls were minors at the time. So the grand jury only returns one prostitution charge. That's it. Out of how many girls? I'm not sure. We know at least two girls and there were no charges because the grand jury has to return the charges. So we just know that there were at least two girls, but that there were multiple more girls involved. Mm -hmm. Underage so girls. One, one prostitution charge out. out one prostitution. Mm hmm. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So he immediately starts negotiating with the state attorney to serve no time in jail for this. Which, one prostitution charge, you probably won't serve time in jail. The police, meanwhile, are livid because they know what this guy has done. And the charges don't reflect what he deserves. So the police chief goes to the FBI. He tells him what he knows and says, you need to look into this guy. Our hands are now tied. We've done what we can. You need to do it. So in July of that year, the FBI starts what they're calling Operation Leap Year. And they start investigating everything from Florida, New York, and New Mexico. Now, that was 2005, 2006. So now we're in 2007, May. Knowing that the FBI and the state are preparing more charges for him, 
Epstein begins negotiating again with the state. The state has prepared a 53-page indictment against him. Um, I wish I knew what was in it. I don't. But they send it again to the grand jury. The grand jury says, or they notice that there were computers at Epstein's house that he removed before the police searched his house. So they subpoena for those computers. They want to know what's on those computers, where they are, why they were removed. Well, after that subpoena goes out, suddenly a U.S. attorney in Miami named Alex Acosta gets involved. And Alex Acosta gets the subpoena delayed. So now we're talking months later in September suddenly several plea agreements are drawn up that subpoena never went through. And initially, Epstein rejected this, the plea deal because it said he had to register as a sex offender and he didn't want to do that. Um, so initially, he rejects it. Eventually... Because he basically has no choice. Um, He signs it. And the terms of this non-prosecution agreement is that the victims will not be notified of his plea deal. The deal will be sealed so the public can't know what's in it or why, you know, what terms were agreed to. Mm Mm-hmm. And that the grand jury subpoenas of those computers would be canceled. Hmm. So no computers. No computers. Really makes you think there's something on those fucking computers. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. So now we have um, Kenneth Starr enters the ring here. Kenneth Starr is the person who prosecuted Clinton for his impeachment. Yep. If his name sounds familiar. It does. So Kenneth Starr starts also representing Epstein. And he asked the U.S. Department of Justice to review the plea deal. And I think this was just a ploy to delay it because Epstein really didn't want to go to jail. And... Meanwhile, the victims have no idea this negotiation is happening. They're being told that the investigation is continuing. The FBI oops, the FBI finds more evidence, and so they want to send this new evidence to the grand jury. The State Department comes back and says that if Epstein does not accept this new plea deal, they will charge him federally in federal court. Because right now it's just, you know, state charges. Mm-hmm. But they'll go after him federally if he doesn't take the plea deal. So finally, realizing that he has negotiated all he can negotiate, Epstein signs the deal. He goes to court. It's not announced ahead of time that he would be in court. He pleads guilty to one count of solicitation. And one count of solicitation of a minor. And that's it. It's crazy. I know nobody can hear it, but I'm shaking my head. I hear it. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Do you? Okay, good. You can hear the little walnuts banging back and Mm -hmm. forth inside there. Stop shaking it, Trisha. Sorry, my bad. (laughs) So, he's sentenced to 18 months in jail. Upon release from jail, he will have one year of house arrest or community control. He must register as a sex offender. In July, the victims, now knowing that he has pled guilty, are pissed. Rightfully so. They file an emergency petition to force the federal prosecutors to comply with the Federal Crime Victims Rights Act. 
That act says that victims have a right to be informed about plea deals and the right to appear at sentencing. So knowing that we have something called the Federal Crime Victims' Rights Act and that victims have a right to this, and knowing that Alex Acosta specifically made this plea deal where they could keep it all secret, you have to just be pissed. This pisses me off more than so much that they would hide this from the victims, that they would know that they're doing wrong. A U.S. attorney who's supposed to represent people, not the people, child not. molesters, would do something so sneaky mm-hmm. is disgusting. No, is his name going to come up again? Because I have yes. a feeling that he might have been on the Lolita Express himself. Um, He might, but his name will come up again. So, basically, they're denied everything, the victims. They're denied this petition. Um, the investigation is over. The plea deal is sealed. They can't even see what's in it. And Epstein is sent to jail. In October, in jail, he gets work release. But he gets picked up now by his own private chauffeur, taken to an office in West Palm Beach, six days a week, where he works for up to 12 hours a day. Works. On top of that, People inside the jail have reported that his jail cell was left unlocked so that he could move around as he pleased. He often walked around naked, apparently. Oh. Yeah. Okay, then. So there's clearly no monitoring of this pedophile. So in July 2009, he's released five months early. And despite being on house arrest, he makes several trips to New York and his private pedophile island. He is found in August walking down the road. And an officer stops him and asks him, what the hell are you doing? And he says he's walking to work. And the officer points out that his work is not in the direction to which he's walking. And reports him to his probation officer. His probation officer just brushes it off as exercise. So basically, life returns to normal for everybody, except his victims. Um, In 2017, Alex Acosta, the guy who made the plea deal possible, Mm -hmm. was nominated by Trump, who has been on the Lolita Express. To serve as the labor secretary for the United States. A cabinet member. Mm. Yeah. In November 2018, the Miami Herald does a four-part series on Epstein's crimes and his plea deal. And this basically blows the whole thing up. Because now it's getting a lot of coverage. We know what Alex Acosta did. We know how despicable it was. We know how gross the crimes were. It gets a lot of attention. Alright. And then it kind of dies down. Like it was a lot of attention. And then like everything right now, you know, is a huge deal until, you know, the next day and something else happens. So, in July of 2019, suddenly we're made aware that Jeffrey Epstein has been arrested. He was arrested at a New Jersey airport on sex trafficking charges that occurred in the state of New York. And I was so ecstatic. You guys could go back and on Crime Connect and look. <laughs> I remember. Yes. Nothing irritates me more than somebody like this getting away with their sex trafficking. Like craft? Yeah. 
So they search his New York mansion. And mind you, this is just crimes in New York. So they search his New York mansion and they find evidence of sex trafficking. They find hundreds of lewd photographs, one of which contained an underage female. They find a locked safe with CDs in it. And the CDs are labeled and they would be labeled like young, insert name, plus insert name. Mm-hmm. Or they'd be na- labeled miscellaneous nudes or, um, quote, girl picks nude. And these were all in a safe. Personal collection. Yeah. The interesting thing that I found about his sex trafficking was it was basically a pyramid scheme almost. He would have these girls and he would abuse them. Um, Some of them he would rape and some of them he would molest and some of them he would make massage him and some of them would pose for photos and whatever. And at first, you know, he would groom them. And then he would get to the abusive part. And then when they're realizing that this is a really shitty situation, he would tell them that he would give them money if they brought a new girl. So his victims became victim recruiters because they didn't want to be in the situation anymore. And they saw their only way out was to bring a replacement, basically. So some of these um, victim recruiters would recruit dozens of girls. Dozens. Like, it's an absurd amount of number. Like, it's it's crazy. So, wait. If they... How, if they recruited just one person, could they get out then? No. And they weren't even out. No. But by having more girls, then it, it would have less time for them and then eventually forget about them. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't instant. Well, like... I wonder what makes it so that these girls don't think that they have an out anyway. Like, yeah. what does he have against them? Is it? Is it? Oh, I have your picture of you naked. It, I will make sure that it's leaked. Or he's. I what think is he doing? A lot of it is just stuck. I think a lot of it is just grooming. Honestly, they were made to believe that this was a wealthy man with a lot of connections that can bring them a lot in life and was like a father figure until he was an abuser. You know, really, really, really sucky. Yeah. So one of the girls, um, was recruited by a 20 year old girl. She was 14 when she was recruited and her name's Jennifer Arroyo. No, Arroyo's. I've heard her name. Jennifer Arroyo's. And, She was recruited right outside of her high school. She was brought to visit Epstein a few times before um, he began masturbating while she massaged him. And eventually he raped her when she was 15. Disgusting. Yeah. There are literally hundreds of victims. One girl admitted that she recruited 70 to 80 girls. That is insane. That's just that's just one victim recruiter. Brought in 70 to 80 girls. So out of all of these girls, did he ever get any of them pregnant? That's a good question. Cuz if he did, I'm sure that he had some backwater deal going with a doctor and he just paid cash. And the girls would just be, they'd probably have abortions. Yeah. I would, I would think as much as he wanted his genetics out there, he doesn't want an underage baby mama out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's going to prove. That would stop his, it would stop his plan. Yeah. To have these, the concubine of 20 women. Yeah. So he. Well, the victim recruiters would go to places like malls, um, outside of school, school parties. Like, it's really disgusting to think about how many victim recruiters there were out there and just sitting, you know, in your kid's high school party. It's scary. 
Because, you know, we always tell our kids, you know, the dangers of the internet and the dangers yeah. of, you know, talking to strangers. But what about the dangers of talking to a girl at a party? Right. You know, it's it's just so surprising or or untalked about, that sort of thing. So you have to imagine that with all of these people, um, all of these victims, that he had to have help. You know what I mean? Just like R. Kelly. R. Kelly has help right. managing these girls. <laughs> and Epstein was no different, basically. So in the indictment in New York, it lists... Um, employee one, unnamed, who I, I assume we'll know soon, I'm sure. But they say employee one communicated with victim recruiters to arrange visits with Epstein and also requested certain victims to come. Employee two and three did basically the same thing, but in Palm Beach. So he had these people managing his victims basically everywhere. Um, he also had a former girlfriend who then became like a best friend manager type. And her name is Gislin Maxwell. She's the daughter of a publishing tycoon, Robert Maxwell. And multiple victims allege that she didn't just, um manage the girls but she actually like helped the abuse happen and there are pictures of her with prince andrew and a victim floating around so um, she participated yeah that, i'm not sure if she participated because it's not actually explained but she i actually she saw made that sure she did have um relations so with some of these women mm-hmm. I saw that she, yeah, I was reading that she was a part of some of these, some of these sex parties or whatever. Yeah, she has, um, multiple victims did sue her and they settled their civil suits a couple of years ago. One of them, um, the, the Jennifer, she actually just filed a suit against her. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I hope we learn more about that. I hope she's arrested soon, honestly. Is this the one that's disappeared or no? Yeah. This is, well, people say she's disappeared, but she's just not in the public eye right now. Um, and I know the media has been trying to contact her to get her for comment, and her agents and stuff like that basically have no comment. Hmm. So then we have Alex. Dershowitz. He was, or he is, still a high-profile attorney. He helped negotiate the plea deal, and he was accused by at least one victim of sexually abusing her. And he basically claims that this victim is coming after her because she's mad about the plea deal. Um, And he basically was tweeting that up until Thursday, ridiculous so he had happy fingers on twitter on twitter and oh, just yeah. wanted to be a dickhead and say that you know that's all bullshit because they didn't get their way yeah he had a lot to say up until thursday so then interestingly enough we have prince andrew the duke of york and prince andrew if you don't guys don't know is the son of queen elizabeth And there are multiple victims who allege that Prince Andrew abused them as well. And that it was all coordinated by Epstein. He introduced them. He put it all together. That sort of thing. Um, There's a lot more people too. Because on Friday, they dumped that whole big document. Um, They alleged that at least 300 British people are involved in this. Um, They also named 
the former governor of New Mexico, Bill Richardson. And remember, he has a house in New Mexico. Okay, so hold on a second. I am trying to do some math here mm -hmm. in my little That's brain That's what of that mind. noise was. Here we go we're again. Talking, just alone, we're talking 300... <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> so we have 300 British people involved. Yeah. In sex crime... In sex uh, acts... Yes. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. So 300 people mm -hmm. in, involved in sex acts with, with these these victims yep oh my god could you imagine the number of victims compared to the number of people having to be served oh yeah it's mm -hmm. if they really go after this it's gonna be huge so friday we learn about the former governor of new mexico we also learn the former senator of maine george mitchell um we also learn about, let's see, financier Glenn Dubin, MIT scientist Marvin Minsky, modeling agent Jean-Luc Brunel. That was a big one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. There's also, quote, another prince, a foreign president, a well-known prime minister. Yep a well-known prime minister, and an owner of a large hotel chain in France. Those last four are unnamed. Now, the prime minister, I'm almost wondering, is a prime minister in Israel. Because, and I posted this in our new group about Epstein, which I'll tell you guys at the end of this, um, some connections to really high-profile people in Israel. The foreign president is interesting. I'm almost wondering if it's um, the foreign, former Cuban leader, Fidel Castro, because uh, some stuff came out about that today. But I don't know who else it could be. It could be anybody. It could be anybody. This is just how big his reach was. Global. Yes, absolutely. I'm. I'm just. I'm sitting here. I. I there's a, a, a. Somebody like in my head with a rubber band now, just going, "Whew! Whew! Snap! Whew! Mm -hmm. Whew! Snap!" Because all I'm thinking about is like the the amount of victims. And mm -hmm. I mean, the number just keeps growing with the list of of people involved in these acts. Yeah. That I just the amount of victims i i just i i'm becoming i mean i was speechless already but now i like feel like i need to be saying something and i can't say enough oh my god and i doubt most of these people will even come to light they won't they won't they don't want to relive it right they don't want to have anything to do with it and it's probably they're probably not all american citizens they were probably citizens from other countries mm -hmm. too Oh and this God. is this is why I was saying before that I wanted to talk about how he had girls coming in every day. And I think it's just because he had so many people to give mm. girls to. You know what I mean? And he had people in power that could get mm. people to get girls on their own. It, mm -hmm. We're talking this this foreign pre, you know president, this other prince, and mm -hmm. these other two other individuals. We have people in power that could just say, grab that girl, grab that girl, grab that girl, grab that girl. And here we go. Yeah. And well, he, he, well, he didn't even need to use them to get other exactly. girls because he had all of his recruiters. Yeah. Right. It's ridiculous. And so I think the next step is to look into um, uh, one of you asked me earlier if any of these girls went missing. Because I, I think that was me. I think that's the next step is to see if any of these girls went missing and any of them got pregnant. How deep does it really go? And how, you know, depraved does it go? So that was Friday, Sorry. August 9th. Yes. Yeah. I was just going to say the reason I was wondering about 
them being missing is because we're talking about sex trafficking. Yeah. We're talking about a guy who's trying to keep it very quiet on the down low. He's mm-hmm. he he uh he got his way in jail he got his way this way and that way you know with the law um why wouldn't some of these these girls go missing and he had a plane that went internationally that we know took girls overseas you know did some of those girls get left there Right, and we don't know if those, because they're listed as female one, female two. Right. Who knows what on the return trip back if female one, female two is actually female A, female B from a whole other country. Right. True. So hopefully they're digging into this really hard. Um, yeah, so that was Friday when we got all of that. I think it was like hundreds of pages. Um, and we'll, it was just a huge dump of documents that had gotten unsealed. Um, do we have the? Do we have those in the in the group? Um, I think we have like articles that talk about them. I don't know if we have them specifically. Okay. We find them. Um, I'll try to. I think I saw that somebody in another group had them, and I'll see if I can get if I can get them. Okay. If we don't have them. So, Saturday. August 10th, we all wake up basically to the news that Jeffrey Epstein is dead. And that is where we're going to end part one. Oh, I was expecting fireworks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was expecting a huge boom. Woo! Yay! Okay, sorry. <laughs> so that's where we're going to end part one. And... In part two, we're going to talk about how he died, where he died, um, the conspiracies around his death, and what happens to the case next. Because this is a big case that, that can't just go nowhere. So, thank you guys for joining me on part one of Crime Connect Case Discussions, the Jeffrey Epstein Affair. And I hope you will continue on to part two. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to know more about this case, please find us at the Jeffrey Epstein Affair by Crime Connect on Facebook. If you have trouble finding that group, you could also go to facebook.com slash crimeconnectmagazine You'll find all our groups linked there. You could always message the page to ask if you're having trouble. And don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you're listening so you can get all of our future updates. See ya!